This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Tragedy on the downtown east side. This isn't something that's easy to deal with. Police discover the body of a newborn and launch a search for a young woman in crisis. A new community outbreak. Now is not the time to tip the scales against us with careless action. What Dr. Henry says about the pressure to start easing restrictions. And success in the search for a hate crime suspect. How Vancouver police were able to identify him. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with breaking news and a warning from RCMP about an incident unfolding right now near Cultus Lake. It involves a man who is potentially armed and driving near the south end of Columbia Valley. Our Jordan Armstrong joins us live with the details and you've just received an update from RCMP, Jordan. That's right, Sophie, and the update is the man is still out there, but the investigation has shifted to a missing persons case. We're just across from the Cultus Lake water slides. There was an RCMP command post here earlier, but it's just come down. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the police resources are beginning to be pulled out. These are pictures from earlier. A lot of police activity in this area throughout the afternoon. There were two RCMP choppers involved in an aerial search, assisted by heavily armed officers on the ground. Now, this all started to unfold over the noon hour. Police say 39-year-old David McCullum of Chilliwack is believed to be armed with guns. They add he last contacted his family this morning and his last known location was the south end of Columbia Valley around 9.30 this morning. Again, at first, this appeared to be a very active manhunt. Now police believe they're dealing with a distraught man. But given that McCullum is believed to be armed, the public is asked not to approach him. Instead, call 911 if they see him. We have a description here. McCullum is 5 foot 10. He's 161 pounds. He has brown hair. He was last seen wearing a dark gray hoodie and he was driving a dark gray Toyota Tacoma pickup truck with a gray canopy. The license plate, it's a BC plate, PA558R. If you've seen that vehicle, or McCollum call police right away. Obviously, law enforcement agencies across Canada are in a heightened state of alert these days, and perhaps that's what we saw here today. Back to you. All right, thanks for that. Jordan Armstrong near Cultus Lake for us. And now we'll get the latest on that heartbreaking discovery on Vancouver's downtown east side last night. The body of a newborn was found in a portable public restroom. Now the concern is for the well-being of the mother and any other woman needing to access emergency support services during the current pandemic. Nadia Stewart reports and a warning. The details of this story are disturbing. Grief and sadness overshadows the downtown east side as news of a tragic discovery Wednesday night spreads through the community. The body of an infant was found inside 
this porta potty. My heart goes out to her, and I hope she gets the help she needs and the compassion that should be given to her right now in her time of need and with everything that's going on instead of persecution. Vancouver police were called to Maine and Hastings around 6 Wednesday evening. Following multiple reports, the body of a newborn baby was found inside a portable washroom. The condition of the child's mother is unknown. Police say they're desperate to hear from her. We are very concerned for her, her physical well-being and her mental well-being. This, we want to get her to the hospital and, and to get checked out. She may be someone who's lost children to the system before, had her children taken from her and was fearful of um, getting support. Atira Women's Resource Society CEO Janice Abbott says there are a lot of questions and concerns for the mother and for other women on the downtown east side. COVID-19 is exacerbating what is already a challenging situation. Women uh, that we work with are often fearful of going to the hospital because they're, uh, they've had often had really bad experiences at hospital. Um, they lose, like I say, they lose their children. COVID adds another, another layer of sort of fear to that already exists. Abbott describes the pandemic as trauma on top of trauma for this neighborhood. And this tragedy raises deeper questions about the availability of resources and services during COVID-19 for women and the rest of the community. A lot of things have shut down and this downtown east side response is staying hidden. Like there's all this stuff that's supposed to be here for us and where is it? And as for the portable toilets, question is, are they helping or harming? A man was found dead in this one last week and several others have been set on fire. Many of the units are now locked up, with the city telling Global News it's evaluating their use in light of the baby's death. Nadia Stork, Global News. The suspect in what police say was a racially motivated attack at an East Vancouver convenience store has been identified thanks to a flood of tips from the public. Rumina Dea is live with more on this story. Rumina, police released that surveillance video just yesterday. And of course, that victim, a senior mm -hmm. with uh, dementia, pretty serious dementia. Yeah, Sophie, it's, uh, it's awful what happened. He's got dementia. He's 92 years old. Police say he wasn't physically hurt. Now, as you said, the suspect has been identified, but no name is being released at this point because no charges have been laid. Now, this incident occurred on March 13th at the 7-Eleven at Nanaimo and First Avenue. The senior was apparently distraught and confused, and staff were trying to help him. Police say that's when the suspect started started yelling racial remarks at him, including comments about COVID-19. The suspect then grabbed the victim by the arm, according to police, and forcibly led him outside where the victim hit his head on the pavement. Now, nobody did anything to help. You could see some people walking by. The suspect actually went outside of the store. He sat the victim up and then he went back inside. Our investigators have received numerous tips from the community on the racially motivated assault on the elderly Asian man. We have made significant leads and have identified a suspect. The Vancouver Police would like to thank the community for their overwhelming support on such a serious and intolerable incident. Now, Sophie, police only released a 46-second clip. So what happened beforehand? We've got no context at this point. We were at the suspect's house earlier this afternoon, and we spoke to a family member who said that he wants to clear up what happened. We're still waiting to hear from him. Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Rubina Day reporting in East Vancouver.
There is a new COVID-19 outbreak, this one at a second poultry processing plant on the Lower Mainland. The Coquitlam facility is now shut down and testing is underway after two workers there tested positive. Those two cases are among 29 new infections announced today. The total now 1,824 in B.C. And sadly, four more people have died from the virus. Keith Baldry has more on the numbers and the connection between the two processing plants so far impacted. We have a, uh, another community outbreak. This again uh, is in a uh, poultry uh, plant. There has now been a second COVID-19 outbreak at a poultry processing plant. This one at Superior Poultry in Coquitlam, where two employees have tested positive for the virus. It's owned by the same company that operates United Poultry in East Vancouver, where 29 employees have now tested positive as well. There was some cross um, people working in both places, or at least some movement of people between both places. Um, they are under a different management structure and I know the, uh, the investigation is ongoing. Despite the new outbreak, which is worrisome, the good news is that hospitalization numbers and critical care cases continue to be fairly stable in number as the number of recoveries also steadily climb. But the fact there were still almost 30 new cases reported overnight shows we are still not ready for an easing of restrictions. Although Dr. Bonnie Henry is providing clues of what has to happen before that easing occurs. Obviously, I would like it to be zero for a number of days. Um, that is the aim, the goal, and ideally zero for many weeks. Um, but we need to reach a manageable number of new cases. That doesn't mean that we have to have no cases every day for a number of weeks, we need to have a manageable number. The danger with relaxing things too quickly could allow COVID-19 cases to suddenly surge in number with immediate impact. Easing up on our efforts too soon makes it too easy for COVID-19, too easy for it to spread, too easy for it to claim more of our seniors and elders, and too easy for it to undo all of the sacrifice we've made together. We need to renew BC without rebooting the virus, and that is the work we have to do together. All right, let's bring in Keith now for a closer look at some of the data revealed today. Keith, more of the overall COVID-19 cases involve patients who are women, but men actually make up more of the patients that go to hospital. Yeah, the Public Health Agency of Canada has collected all the statistics across the country in terms of hospitalizations and the most serious cases in ICUs. And the situation here is just like it is around the entire world. There's no jurisdiction that's different. Men are primarily, the 56% the of hospitalization cases are men. And more alarmingly, if you're a male, particularly an older male, 66% of also all ICU cases are, are men across the world. Which I put that question to Dr. Bonnie Henry for it. Uh, and she says it is a phenomenon that there's studying and she offered one theory that's going on out there why this may be the case. It may have something to do with um, uh, the male immune system but there are more factors than that um, including you know the higher proportion of men in that age group who might have underlying illnesses like heart disease and diabetes as well as um, other genetic factors that we just don't know yet. So it's one of those really um, interesting things that has borne out in countries around the world that we still don't have answers to yet. 
So a programming note of sorts, uh, this wildly uh, popular briefing daily from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix for the first time will not occur on a Friday tomorrow. They'll be uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry back on it on Saturday. So no briefing tomorrow uh, for the first time since this pandemic began. And as a matter of fact, I may actually decide to take tomorrow off. We'll see what happens tomorrow. How dare you, Keith? <laughs> but thank you very much for all the work you've right. done for us. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks. What, once a sign, what was once a sign of Vancouver's red-hot economy has suddenly gone cold thanks to COVID-19. High-priced cars have been a common sight on local roads, but with many people hurting financially right now, hot wheels are a luxury they can no longer afford. The Craigslist ad says they need to offload their BMW M6, and you can take over the lease for just $2,300 a month? Or how about this Range Rover at $1,800 a month, $2,200 including tax? There's now a surge in people desperate to bail on leases. Lots of people are, are now retaining us to get out of the leases, so they're, you know, many are being very proactive. But many people who are in a seven $800 lease or a six to $700 lease are looking to get out of those and get into a $350 to $450 lease. At Brian Jessel BMW, they sell thousands of new vehicles every year, and they're the largest pre-owned luxury retailer in Canada. They remain open, but it's a lot quieter. I mean, I think overall the auto industry is probably going to be down somewhere around 70%. Uh, if you looked at a snapshot of April last year to April this year, um, and that's really due to the fact that people are staying home. Some automakers are allowing payment deferrals and even partial payments for now. Dealers believe business will eventually return, but it could be very different. People tend to be more comfortable with pre-owned. Uh, they see a little bit better value with that. There's certainly going to be attractive rates. For buyers, there will be opportunities in the coming months. And for those hoping to offload their pricey leases... That could prove far more challenging in the days ahead. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. An Abbotsford doctor comes up with a clever idea to help stop the spread of COVID at his hospital. How the design of this special operating room could help save lives in just over a minute. What a time to become a millionaire. You won't believe where he was when he realized he had the winning ticket. That's just ahead on the news hour. And the puppies just kept coming at a vet's office in Australia. The record-setting litter the team helped deliver there coming up later. But first, an Abbotsford doctor's bright idea has quickly been turned into a potentially life-saving addition to the hospital. His design for an airlock operating room includes some cheap and readily available materials to help prevent the spread of infection, including the COVID-19 virus. Ted Chernecki reports. At Abbotsford's Regional Hospital, there's some attention-grabbing innovation going on. It involves the operating room and how some of its doctors came up with an idea on how to make it safer during this pandemic. Typically, the air pressure in an operating room is high or positive to keep germs out. But if the patient is COVID positive, then they don't want the virus getting out. The solution? A small room right next to the OR. It's been characterized as um, very much like a vacuum cleaner that just vacuums up the virus and gets rid of it. So anything coming out of the operating room doesn't go into the corridors. Instead, it, go, instead it goes into the filters 
and away from anyone that could potentially get infected. He was initially told it couldn't be done, but for about $20,000 each, pocket change in a healthcare system, he has these vestibules now operating at Surrey Memorial and Royal Columbian. It all started as staff watched what could be coming. We were very closely watching China and Italy and, uh, and gathering as much information as we could from there uh, because that was where we, that, that's where we could see what this could look like. So now high pressure in the OR pushes air into the vestibule where viruses are sucked up, put through a filtering system and sent out through the hospital's ventilating system. The hospital in general is safer for it, but the risks in the OR are still there. Yeah, basically right in the line of fire. If you think of COVID coming out for a, you know, a cough or a sneeze, uh, while I'm intubating, I'm, I'm looking right down at the vocal cords. Talk about working the front line. Still, he's impressed at how once on board, Fraser Health Management turned his idea into reality within a week. In a large system like this, uh, anything that happens with, within a week is happening at the speed of light. That's, that really is pretty good. It's that old saying, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And so far, so good. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Two Vancouver radiologists are leading an international team creating a database of images of patients' lungs that have been damaged by COVID-19. The team is logging thousands of CT scans and lung x-rays from COVID patients from all over the world. Those images all show cloudy patches on the lungs that look like ground-up glass, according to the researchers. Once the database is big enough, they'll feed it into an open-source artificial intelligence-based diagnostic tool, helping doctors better predict patient outcomes and hopefully determine better treatment plans. We know that vast majority of patients with COVID will recover. That's the nice thing. But we do know, though, a minority of them would progress, would get worse. And so the scans will start helping us to, to start discovering what does the lungs with COVID infection look like as it get worse and worse. And so by knowing that, we can not only help tell whether a patient is mildly sick or moderately sick, but we may need to then start to predict do they need a ventilator? Up next, when I do turns into I can't. Very difficult to social distance at a wedding. How the COVID crisis is spoiling the mood for a lot of couples. Also, customers get some new ammunition to demand a refund from airlines over canceled travel plans. Crews are on scene to a two-car crash here in Port Coquitlam. It's affecting westbound traffic on the Mary Hill Bypass at Pitt River Road, and it's blocking the right lane. At Kermat Collision and Autoglass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of a crash in Port Coquitlam. The COVID-19 pandemic is forcing many people to put plans on hold, and that includes couples who just want to tie the knot. Many are postponing or canceling outright, putting a big strain on already struggling small businesses. Richard Zussman reports. The fields of River and Seas Flower Farm are blooming, but many of the flowers have nowhere to go. We supply bulk flowers to um people to do their own flowers for their weddings and so we've already had several cancellations for that which um, is hard to see. Flower growers aren't alone. Tight provincial restrictions means everyone supplying weddings and holding weddings are being hugely impacted. There doesn't seem to be a safe way to have a wedding in the traditional sense right now. That's leading to tough decisions. 
Carrie Demos and her fiancé are said to have many guests come from Demos's home in California to their wedding in Pemberton. And we basically are picking up our wedding and moving it a year and doing the exact same thing on August 7th, 2021. Those postponements necessary but crippling to businesses. Photographer John Mark Wiltshire has seen a 70 to 80 percent drop-off in business. Just trying to figure out a way that I can... Uh, live off as absolutely little as possible this year and, and keep the business running. For those businesses that are able to survive the pandemic, 2021 is going to be another bizarre wedding season, this time because of significant pressure on popular venues like this and popular vendors. For vendors like videographer Chelsea Canstrup, it means the only way she can make money when weddings return is if couples think creatively about when they want to hold their celebrations. So trying to, to look at dates that are maybe on a Sunday or a weekday um, or in the off season so that they can keep that dream team vendors together. For those couples looking at cancelling, it could get complicated. Vendors and venues trying to decide if they want to return deposits the contracts say they don't have to in order to avoid legal battles, potentially COVID-caused messy situations to what is supposed to be some of the happiest days of a couple's life. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Across the country, many passengers who've had their flights interrupted by COVID-19 have been angered they can't get refunds. Passenger rights advocates argued airlines and travel companies were relying on a statement by the Canadian Transportation Agency that vouchers could be a reasonable option. But let's bring in our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrew, now with a little clarification, and that might help people get their money back. Yeah, you might. Uh, a few weeks back, you may remember the Canadian Transportation Agency had stated the use of vouchers instead of airlines issuing refunds could be a reasonable approach to impacted passengers given the extraordinary circumstances of COVID-19. But air passenger rights advocates argued the CTA was misleading the public when it came to the laws and regulations around airlines and whether or not airlines were obligated to give impacted passengers their money back. Then, just yesterday, the CTA released more details on its statement on vouchers. The CTA is now stating that its previous statement on vouchers is not a binding decision, but rather a suggestion to airlines and passengers given the global collapse of air travel. And perhaps most importantly, the CTA clarified the statement on vouchers suggests what could be an appropriate approach in extraordinary circumstances, but does not affect airlines' obligations or passengers' rights, adding, if you think that you are entitled to a re fund for a flight that was cancelled for reasons related to the COVID-19 pandemic and you don't want to accept a voucher, you can ask the airline for a refund. In terms of the public, it is a positive development because I've seen the original statement on vouchers being used by airlines and tour companies to uh, dispute chargebacks by insurance companies relying on it. So, now that kind of reliance is going to become more difficult because there is an FAQ which says the opposite of what the statement suggests. 
Now, the CTA also states if you think you are entitled to a refund and the airline refuses to provide one or offers a voucher with conditions you don't want to accept, passengers can still file a complaint with the CTA, which will then determine if the airline complied with the terms of its tariff. The other route you can try in terms of getting a refund is to call your credit card company and tell them you paid for a service that you did not receive and that you want your money back and you did not agree to a voucher. Again, we have heard of some people having success with that approach. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can always email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right. Lots of people interested in that. Thanks very much, Anne. Thanks, Dan. Up next, chilling new details about the Nova Scotia shooting. They're bringing the victims into that intersection. New information about what might have triggered the gunman's rampage. Also coming up tonight, the gamble to get back in business, why some say it's a risk worth taking in Las Vegas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Traffic is moving well in both directions over here tonight at the Patello Bridge. And good news, just past the south end, northbound Scott Road at King George Boulevard. That was early, blocked earlier due to a flip dump truck, and that has been cleared away. To help you stay safe and at home, Lowe's is offering free parcel shipping and curbside pickup with online purchases at Lowe's.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. New details emerging tonight in Canada's worst mass shooting. The tragedy claiming the lives of 22 victims in a rampage that began Saturday night in a rural Nova Scotia community. As Aaron MacArthur reports tonight, Global News has learned it all started with an argument the gunman had with his girlfriend at a party. The audio is chilling. Obtained from Broadcastify, it paints a real-time picture of first responders desperate to understand what was happening. No, not for sure. It's taking quite a ways. The actual they're bringing the victims out to that intersection from the actual scene. Sources tell Global News the shooting spree began after a house party Saturday night. Allegedly, Gabriel Wartman left after an argument with his girlfriend. When they returned home, she was assaulted and tied up. After she managed to escape, Wartman returned to the party. Investigators believe that's when the killings began. I guess I was really lucky because uh, thinking about it, you know. The timeline of the events Sunday are becoming clearer. It was around 7 a.m. police found Wartman's girlfriend, and that's when it was learned he was likely dressed as an RCMP officer. She provided the pictures of the made-up cruiser. Her information changed the way police were searching the region. Video has surfaced, purportedly of the suspect calmly changing clothes on the side of the road. Sources tell Global News the shooter had access to several guns throughout the day, including Constable Heidi Stevenson's handgun, which he stole after shooting her twice. About noon, Wartman eventually was tracked to a gas station in Enfield, Nova Scotia. According to sources, he was reaching for another weapon when an ERT member shot and killed him.
Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Well, the number of confirmed cases continues to climb across the U.S. More than 850,000 people have tested positive for COVID-19, and that only reflects those who have been tested. The number of deaths surpassed 48,000 today. In New York alone, more than 15,000 people have died from COVID-19. Now, despite those grim numbers, a number of states are set to allow some businesses to reopen tomorrow as the unemployment rate keeps rising. One of the fiercest, uh, fiercest battles over whether to reopen or not is in Las Vegas, where the city's mayor and Nevada governor are at odds over when the casinos and the strip should take the gamble and get back in business. I'm Steve Patterson in Las Vegas, another day along an eerily empty strip representing millions in lost revenue. And inside Caesar's Palace, silence. We were granted exclusive access, rows of vacant slots, dark blackjack tables. For nearly 54 years, Caesar's Palace has been operating around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. On a typical day, there'd be something like 50,000 people in here. And now, it sits empty. I want our restaurants open. I want our small businesses open. I want our people back in employment. Mayor Carolyn Goodman, who has no jurisdiction over the Strip, has repeatedly pressed for its swift reopening, but on CNN Wednesday, didn't offer any guidance on how businesses could do that safely. They better figure it out. That's their job. That's so not the mayor's you. job. Nevada has more than 4,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus and fewer than 200 deaths. But Many hasn't it been because of social distancing that the numbers have been what they are? How do you know until we have a control group? We offer to be a control group. Vaccine, You're offering you the, the citizens of Las Vegas to be a control group to see if your I theory on social distancing... No, 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 doesn't no, work. wrong. Absolutely wrong. Don't put words in my mouth. You just said, said we'll said be a control group. Offered, excuse me. What I said was I offered to be a control group and I was told by our statistician you can't do that. We would love to be that placebo side so you have something to measure against. Nevada Governor Steve Sisolak. I am not going to allow uh, our workers to be put in a position that they have to decide between their job in their uh, paycheck and their life. I agree with him 100%. Caesars Entertainment CEO Anthony Rodium says while he's eager to open up, safety comes first. What do you think reopening would look like for Caesars? I think what you'll see is social distancing in the casino, and by that I mean every other slot machine, three people at a table, maybe every other table. Steve Patterson, NBC News, Las Vegas. One of the people who came down with COVID-19 after attending a Vancouver dental conference in early March is using his experience to help others. Nick Seddon and his wife recovered, and they're doing what has proven successful in past pandemics, donating blood plasma. Linda Aylesworth explains why it works. The fight against COVID-19 is taking many researchers down new paths of discovery, but it's also leading others down old ones. Take, for example, convalescent plasma therapy. We've tried to do this before, and there's been some success in diseases all the way back as far as the Spanish influenza outbreak. Plasma is the clear fluid that's the largest component of blood. In patients who have convalesced or recovered from diseases like COVID-19, it contains antibodies, which can take the immune system many days to make and build up into an effective army. The idea is to try to see whether plasma from people who've recovered from COVID-19 could be used as a therapy to treat people who are still sick. 
The Canadian study, the largest of its kind in the world, is looking for donors under the age of 67 who have recovered from confirmed cases of COVID-19. People like Dr. Nick Seddon and his wife Ellie. He contracted the virus in early March at the Pacific Dental Conference in Vancouver. I honestly thought that I just had a, a very mild cold and I just felt a little run down and that was it. And yet another Vancouver dentist, Dr. Dennis Vincent, died of the disease. Grateful for his good fortune, Dr. Seddon and his wife have volunteered to participate in the convalescent plasma study. All we've done so far is we've only been tested, so we have not yet donated um, because, of course, um, we need to be confirmed to have those specific antibodies that they're looking for and not only that, have enough of them in our blood. The study hopes to begin infusing antibody-rich plasma into critically ill patients in the next week to 10 days. If there's anything I can do to to help, uh, we would. And so that's why uh, my wife and I decided to take this on. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. UBC engineering students have developed a low-cost ventilator they hope could help to save lives in the fight against COVID-19. Their design involves a modified BiPAP machine typically used to help treat sleep apnea. The invention costs a few thousand dollars to manufacture compared to the $25,000 to $50,000 typically spent to produce a conventional ventilator. Their design is also a finalist in the Code Life Ventilator Challenge, which has attracted more than 1,000 teams from 94 countries. Good luck to them. And still to come for us tonight, a double whammy for Americans in Tornado Alley. That's a tornado moving across. From Georgia all the way to Texas, powerful storms leave a trail of destruction. And in sports, what Canucks goalie Jacob Markstrom is doing to stay sharp while the NHL takes a break. Fierce storm slammed parts of the southern U.S. today. At least seven people were killed after a wave of tornadoes touched down in three states. Tonight, a tornado outbreak raking the south. Yeah, that's a tornado moving ground. In Georgia, a twister spawned by the very same system behind this deadly tornado, killing two in Oklahoma yesterday. Wow. That danger hit Texas, too. Near Houston, the town of Onalaska, struck by a tornado leaving three people dead and injuring 30 others. Meteorologists say the Onalaska tornado wasn't on the ground long, but when it was, it left behind an unmistakable trail of destruction, shredding trees, lifting homes off their foundations, and leaving hundreds left picking up the pieces. I knew what that sound was. Kip Robbins and his family rode out the storm inside their home. As a dad, you're always in control. I wasn't in control anymore. Tonight, the rush is on to clean up with even more storms coming. Morgan Chesky, NBC News, on Alaska, Texas. A veterinarian in Australia has claimed a new record. So did the dog he was treating. So many puppies, even the surgery team was surprised. That's coming up right after Christy's forecast. Oh, so cute. All right, meteorologist Christy Gordon uh, with a look at that weather forecast. Nice to see the sunshine, but mm, enjoy it while we can because yeah. the weekend's not looking so good. 
That's right. So we're back to more spring-like uh, weather, that's for sure, where we're seeing some rain, some sunshine, and that will be the case over the next little while. So it is sunny right now, that's for sure. Uh, but uh, yesterday was rainy, this morning was cloudy and showery, and uh, we've got a bit back and forth over the next little while. Let's start off with a look at your photos, as we always do. This one from Dave. He um, works in a downtown office. He said, this little goose was trying to get in a number of times today. And yeah, we've been talking about the wildlife coming back into areas where people normally are and this guy was pretty persistent apparently and every twig helps this one from Ron Wilson uh, saying that yeah this sort of gives a good symbolism of what's going on every little bit helps when you stay away you help the community as a whole all right so here's a look at the showers we still have a number of them through the Fraser Valley not all areas seeing the sunshine so instability still in play and we'll see that through tomorrow so about a 40% chance of showers for our day tomorrow on Friday we'll certainly see some breaks of blue sky before the next system rolls in on Saturday and yes Saturday is going to be a wet one so tomorrow mostly dry uh, we will see temperatures in the mid teens in most areas upper teens or mid to upper teens and through the south uh, lots of sunshine but certainly still some cloud cover in the mix and again a chance of showers across Vancouver Island only about a 40% chance for us here but certainly Saturday is looking like a wet one and it will likely remain unsettled on Sunday and Monday also here's a look at your weather window for tonight another beautiful sunset from the English Bay area. Thank you to Sophia for that one. Stunning shot. Remember those days where we had blue sky and nothing but it? All right, guys, back to you. Remember it fondly. All right, thanks very much, Christy. A miracle litter of puppies has set a new record in Australia. A surgery team of 10 performed an emergency cesarean on a Neapolitan Mastiff, revealing a litter of 21 puppies. The previous record for a litter of puppies in Australia was 19, and while that is a crazy number of puppies, the Guinness World Record is actually 24, delivered by another Mastiff in the UK in 2004. Ah, but who's keeping score, really? Squire is. <laughs> Check in with him for a look ahead to sports. Yes, in fact, um, there is a live sporting event right now, although it's being done a bit differently than normal. It's the NFL Draft. Okay, here we go. So the commissioner's making the announcements from his basement, and the players being picked are at their parents' house. Also, drive-by birthdays coming up, helping make the best of a bad situation. Rock man learned he was loaded while he was on the loo. <laughs> Nothing more Canadian than... Uh, presenting a $16.5 million check with a hockey stick. <laughs> Tibor Tishnadi claimed his $16 million prize today from the BC Lottery Corporation. Due to social distancing, the check was handed over using a hockey stick in this online presentation. The retired pharmacist discovered he'd won the April 15th Lotto 649 draw while he was in the bathroom. Even after realizing he'd matched all six numbers, he decided to sleep on it and didn't tell his wife until the next day. I didn't want to tell her and keep her awake all night um, because she had to do a few things in the morning. Um, we have to deal with my 97-year-old father who lives with us. And um, she had to go to an appointment next morning. So then uh, I decided the best time to tell her would be the next afternoon when it's just the two of us. 
The couple plan to do some traveling once it's safe to do so. He says his wife will decide their first travel destination and it will be first class all the way. No doubt about it. I'd like to get her perspective on him holding out for a, <laughs> till the next day. Be funny to hear her thoughts on that because I know I'd be divorced. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's check we'll in with Squire. <laughs> All right. I could say a lot of things about him being in the bathroom, but I don't have time. Uh, the NHL said today that there is still a chance they will hold their draft in June and they'll use point percentage at the time the league was paused to decide what teams are in the lottery for first overall. If that is in fact what they do, the Canucks would not be in the lottery because they had played less games than some other teams and they were actually in a playoff spot if you go by point percentage. That means their first round pick would go to New Jersey, which had acquired it from Tampa, which acquired it for, from the Canucks for JT Miller last year. Uh, yesterday we heard from Canucks goalie Jacob Markstrom about how he would like to sign a new contract with Vancouver if they can fit it underneath the salary cap. Because before he hurt his knee, Markstrom was having the kind of year you want to have when your contract is running out. It is a dominant 9-3 win for the Canucks over the Boston Bruins. The last game Jacob Markstrom played was two months ago. That 9-3 blowout against the Bruins that was as satisfying as any victory this year for the Canucks. But during that game, Markstrom hurt himself, requiring a minor knee surgery that sent the Canuck nation into a major panic. There was a fear he would be done for the rest of the regular season. But had there been no interruption, he would have only missed four more games and been back for the final two weeks of the stretch drive. It was a lot quicker you know, than we thought. Obviously, I, I didn't want to miss games, uh, especially down the stretch. And it was you know bad timing for the injury. But after we got it done, the surgeon... Did a great job. You know, I was I was back probably three and a half weeks. I, I was back to skating fully, fully on the ice. Markstrom is not skating like some Swedish NHLers are doing in their homeland, but he is working out on his own, trying to keep his goalie skill set sharp. We got a tennis ball machine and firing tennis balls and stuff like that. So uh, we're doing our best to our abilities here, and uh, you know, working a lot of stuff on the hand eye with. You know all kinds, all kinds of uh, racket sports. So uh, just trying to s don't let your eyes fall asleep is you know a big thing. Goche, Julian Goche, glove saved by Markstrom. Markstrom was having his best year ever, which is a good thing to do when you're about to become an unrestricted free agent. Markstrom is 27th on the goalie salary list at 3.66 million per season, but figured to cash in somewhere around 6 million annually in his next deal, putting him inside the top 10. But now it's very likely he'll have to settle for less. You know, there's obviously uncertainties, and I, I'd rather be, you know, know where I'm going to be or know what's going to happen in the future. But with everything that's going on that nobody could predict, it's. Uh, you know, it's kind of taking the backseat from, from everything else. And as expected, LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, the first overall pick in tonight's NFL draft. He goes to the Cincinnati Bengals. He won the Heisman last year as a top NCAA player. He was raised in Ohio, so he will start his career in his home state with Cincinnati. Since the year 2000, 15 quarterbacks have gone first overall in the NFL. I think only one, Eli Manning, won the Super Bowl as a starter. Hmm. All right. Back Thanks. to you guys. Thanks, Squire. Let's Over there.
And let's check in with Jay Durant for a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jay? Thank you, Sophie. For the first time in more than 100 years, the Calgary Stampede has been canceled. That, of course, is due to COVID-19. The event, which typically, uh, typically begins the first weekend of July, sees thousands descend on the city, including many British Columbians. It's run every summer, even during two world wars, the Great Depression and the 2013 flood. More on that story and the rest of the day's news when you join us tonight at 11. All right. Thanks, Jay. All right, when we come back, a salute to healthcare heroes and it's an emergency. Call the fire department for a birthday party. That's next. It's time to recognize one of our BC healthcare heroes on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic here in BC. And tonight's nomination comes from Angelo Boholst. He says Melissa Palana is his healthcare hero. Melissa is the director of care at Dufferin Care Center in Coquitlam, one of the long-term care facilities with COVID infections. Melissa instituted measures to protect staff and patients, and Melissa continues to work tirelessly every day, seven days a week for more than a month now. And with fewer staff, she works beyond her main role, helping in just about any capacity needed to ensure her residents receive care and to support her exhausted staff. So Melissa, your co-workers thank you and we thank you for your hard work and dedication. And again, if you have a healthcare hero you want to nominate, send a few photos and details to BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca. We get a ton of them. We can't get to all of them, but we thank you for your submissions. And thank you, Melissa. Well, with people isolated during this pandemic, many major milestones have gone uncelebrated. But some BC firefighters and others are doing their bit to change that for both the young and the young at heart. Paul Johnson reports. In North Van, the firefighters at rescue station number one are gearing up for a call. We're all in this together, as we've heard many times. They head out in engine number one, a pumper truck you typically see at a house fire. It'll do just fine for this assignment. Gladys, happy 100th birthday. It's a trend that seems to have started in Calgary, recognizing that many birthdays right now, by necessity, are underattended. There's something they can do to make the day memorable. So we know that both our, our Older adults, our, our children, everybody's sacrificing. And this is one way that we can uh, try and help bring the community together. And what a moment it is. In Parksville, firefighters have brightened the birthdays of 104-year-olds and 4-year-olds. Little Trenton Elliott even got a present dropped at the door. He'll remember that. Back in North Van, one of Thursday's calls was in the Lynn Valley area, where a care home was one of the hardest hit places in the pandemic so far. In this case, the birthday girl is turning 75. But in these circumstances, they won't be going out, and they can't have the big intimate family gathering. I thought it was pretty cool. And so did Grandma, slightly embarrassed by all the attention but thrilled at the lights and sirens nonetheless. Kind of fun too, it's to uh, get that kind of a salute when you're 75 years old. Well, their job is typically looking out for our physical safety. Don't forget what our first responders can do for our spirits as well. Happy birthday to you. In North Van, Paul Johnson, Global News. Oh, happy yeah, happy birthday, Linda. That's the one you won't forget.
All right, let's check in with Christy for one last look at the weather. Christy? Thanks so much. Well, there's lots of sunshine if you're looking towards the west. Eastern section, still a chance of showers, and we'll see that through the day tomorrow. About a 40% chance, but some sunshine in the mix as well. Your weekend, though, everyone, looking a little wet, so get prepared for more rain. All right, back to you guys. Look forward to those Mayflowers. Thanks, Christy, and thank you for watching. Stay safe, stay healthy. Have a good night, all.